Project A Podcast. Hi, welcome to another episode of the Project A Podcast. My name is Florian Heinemann. I'm the host today and uh, we have Benedict here, the founder from No Unity. Uh, thanks a lot, Benedict, for joining us. Hi, Flo. Thanks a lot for giving me the opportunity to join this podcast here. Really happy to be here today with you. Um, as some of the listeners maybe know, uh, you just joined the portfolio uh, of Project A. So uh, uh, thanks a lot for, for trusting in us to be a good partner and investor for you. Um, can you give our listeners, I mean, you're, you're quite an exceptional founder, uh, not only by ability, but also by, by age and, and background. Can you tell us a little bit about how old you are and what kind of project you're, you're driving forward? Yes, basically, um, yeah, as, as you said, I'm Benedict, uh, 19 years old, one of the co-founders of NoUnity. With NoUnity, we are trying to build up the global platform for students. Um, we had the idea for NoUnity one and a half, two years ago, while still being in school back there by ourselves. We just saw basically all our classmates on their iPhones, us included, on social media, on platforms for every vertical, but there wasn't a platform for education. So we thought, okay, why not just build a platform for education where students can really help out each other, where they can consume relevant school material, but they just have something like an all-in-one platform around their school day and their needs. Um, so we then, yeah, decided on trying to build a Unity, did lots of mistakes and finally ended up in launching a Unity in September to 20. Um, and then, yeah, grow, we grew really fast to, to 850,000 active users by now. And then we had the pleasure of, of yeah, getting Project A and some other really cool investors on board. Mm -hmm. Can you give us a little bit background on, on you personally? I mean, obviously, you were still in school, as you said. So you don't have like a long track record of uh, different, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, wor working assignments at McKinsey or whatever. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so, so uh, can you give us a little bit of... of on your background i mean how how did it come about that you know you you didn't you know go to college or u university but yes. basically felt ready uh to do a startup at, at that age yeah i i don't know if, if we really felt ready for it we just thought let's do it because we didn't have any clue about it so we, we learned we're still learning every day um but how how it came to to us building a startup is basically we always had like some kind of a family or background um so we always were quite near to this whole entrepreneurial topic and thought, okay, that's not that far away like it might be for others. On the other hand, I have been a, like a professional tennis player, basically, or I tried to, to become a professional tennis player my, my, my whole childhood long. Um, and then and through this, I always had this basically desire to, to, get, to get some success in some certain area. For years, it was been tennis, and for now, it, it should be no unity. Um, And then basically after having this idea for a unity together with my co-founder Julian, whom I know for more than 15 years and with some other, with some other co-founders from our side, we've also been in school back then. Um, we, we all just said, okay, that looks like a good idea, but it looks really, really simple for, for the first moment. So we thought, okay, why isn't there such thing? And then as we, as we noticed that the unity is going and going, we said, okay, that's basically such a big chance that we are having for now. So we, Yeah, we just kicked our studies or kicked our other careers that we wanted to pursue. Said, okay, now let's go all in on Unity because we, we didn't do it on the first day because it wasn't clear how the success might turn out in the beginning. If we were telling everyone we want to build the next global platform for students, everyone was basically laughing at us. But we then just uh, saw, okay, there is quite a nice user growth in the first few days. And then it was, became quite clear that this might be, might be a bigger thing and we might really build it up here. So all of the other ones basically, yeah, stop their, st st their studies immediately or as fast as possible. 
uh, I yeah basically stopped my my tennis career more likely, and we are now completely focused on a unity because we believe that it's quite a big chance, and we have uh, yeah quite quite a lot of of opportunities in this area. Um, even though we are not, as you said, that experienced or don't have any Goldman or McKinsey experience in the past, but we believe that in some cases this might also be quite a quite a good thing for us. In other cases, in other cases cases it might be tough, but uh, yeah, let's see. Two two questions based based on that. I mean, uh, first of all, you you try to pursue a professional sports career for for quite some like considerable time of of your youth basically, and do do you think that prepares you well uh, for an entrepreneurial career or for career as an as an entrepreneur? Are there some parallels to to what you now have to do? Yes, I, I believe I believe it really prepares you in a really good way because point number one is that you're like in an entrepreneurial career you're trying to to, to achieve a certain goal um or you're working towards a certain goal and it's basically the same when you're pursuing a professional tennis career or whatever sports it is you always have an, a certain goal like a tournament or like a ranking or stuff like this that you're working towards so you really know how it feels to work towards a goal and on the second side i believe it's this is even more important is, is the up it's the ups and downs so in tennis you yeah you lose every tournament basically if you don't win it and and you through this you, you 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 know how to deal with negative experiences and how to get out of deeper yeah of, of bad bad experiences or bad situations so i really think that it helped me quite a lot in, in my entrepreneurial journey as I, if i could call it like this by now like i'm entrepreneur for one year it's not that big <laughs> of a journey but uh, let's see we, we hope that that that, that's, uh, that this will help us in the future And I also believe that lots of other founders that did some kinds of professional sports in, in their in their past yeah did quite well in their entrepreneurial channel. Mm -hmm. And and another question is is basically based on you know the the level of experience that you had before because I think a lot of uh, entrepreneurs out there uh, or students that are interested in pursuing something entrepreneurial don't feel ready for it yeah especially because I think oh can I am, am I ready to build a product that maybe a thousand or a hundred thousand of people will use. And and you, you guys, I mean, uh, what was the level of experience that you had on the technical side in your team? Yeah, And when did you, uh, because I mean, no unity today is, is used by hundreds of thousands of, of users. Um, and, and obviously that requires a certain level of scalability, but you, but you built the product entirely yourself. And, and uh, so uh, what made you confident that kind of, you know, your architecture on the product side and uh, the technical expertise was sufficient to do this? And was there any way to make sure or, or somehow get a third-party opinion <laughs> that what you guys are doing is, is actually right? Or did you just trust in your co-founder's ability there? Uh, yeah, it's, it's more likely your second part that you mentioned because <laughs> uh, Julian and myself, we don't have a lot of, or we don't have a lot, lot clue on all the tech tech side or how to build a good architecture what technologies to use so we really yeah we we did quite a good job in finding lucas and gregor and yannick uh, lucas and gregor also both 19 years old they tried also they tried to build an, an app before that so they had they don't they didn't have any experience but they also tried to build an app so they knew what flutter was for example and stuff like this so this was quite good for us we got to know them like one and a half years ago and then we yeah we directly Had, had lots of confidence in them because we really believed okay this these might be really clever guys and we didn't have any choice otherwise basically um, because we didn't just wanted to hire a freelancer from from another country and just tell them what we wanted to do and then okay person does this and we don't know if it works out or not 
So we then basically they both also really began digging deep into this whole topic of of architecture, of servers, of AWS. Of it's not like just about building the app and just coding. It's more like really about yeah how how to build up this whole tech architecture, um, which was really really helpful for us because we couldn't have done this by ourselves. Um, and then on the product side, basically what gave us the confidence that this might not be a bad idea or that we should pursue it, even though lots of parents and older people were always telling us, oh, what are you doing? Why aren't you studying? Why aren't you like pursuing another career? Um, we always had like lots of lots of really good feedback from students. We were students by the time by ourselves. So we always had the ability to really speak to them and we were our peer group back then. So. We always thought, okay, that's such a good product. We got such good feedback. So we always said, okay, we, we need to build it and we need to bring it to the market to just see if it really works out. And um, I think, and still, yeah, our main learning goal is basically learning by doing for sure. All of us, we watch tons of YouTube videos, tons of podcasts, myself more likely on the entrepreneurial, on the business side, Lukas and Gregor and Yannick more on the tech side. So really try to dig in deep into these topics, but it wasn't that we, until our launch, until our first investors, we didn't really have like a mentor, meaning a mentor that built something like this before. For sure, we had lots of help from parents, from friends and stuff like this that had some kinds of entrepreneurial experience, but but on the tech side and on the whole like really, yeah, digital side, not really. So it was really lots about learning by doing lots of mistakes and trying to, to figure them out. But I think that's that's a great learning for also aspiring entrepreneurs out there that today with the level of technology and the tools out there, it's actually possible if you're smart and if you're driven and, and you can do the research yourself. I mean, the accessibility of, of great technologies has definitely improved tremendously over the last 10 years. So it's definitely something that, that can be done. I mean, obviously, you can still do mistakes, but uh, I guess if you look <laughs> at uh, companies with a lot more experienced uh, architects on the IT side, their mistakes happen as well. Yeah, so I guess, and I think that's that's a great message. That if you if you you know have a great idea, and if you're especially if you're part of the target group, and I think that's also one thing. I mean, you had unique insight in the target group um, um, uh, that that is possible to do this. And I think another great learning uh, I, I like from from what you guys described. Um, uh, that's also an experience that we have uh, quite often with people trying to build uh, great products and it really helps to have a tech and product person yeah, in-house in the team. Um, I mean, it's possible to outsource certain things. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of companies do that also quite early, but the architects or the, the, the drivers of the product and tech process, it really helps to have them uh, in, in the core team and internally. And that's obviously also learning that you guys uh, can support. Um, and, and I think that's key. Yeah. Yes, hundred percent. I think this really also, as, as you just mentioned, helped out Lucas, Gregor, and Yannick a lot on the tech side. That, it's, that there's just so much accessibility to all the technologies today. On, like we could basically rely on certain technologies that were always being used by bigger companies, where we could really see, okay, these technologies seem to work, and we could just like build up on them uh, in in some certain areas. For sure, also some other things we needed to build by ourselves, but. It was just being done because of lots of research and then yeah, just the desire, as you said, to build something great. And I believe that that's also mainly the most important learning for, for younger, younger entrepreneurs time, trying to pursue a career there, that if you really have the desire to build something, if you have some certain yeah clients' voices telling you, okay, this product, product seems good, you should always try to pursue it and always try to push it because this is also what we what we basically believed in and what we also saw in our way, that there was always a way of how we could figure things out, even though in some cases we didn't have any clue how to do it before. 
Can you describe a little bit like how you did the market entry and when you basically felt, okay, we are, we are onto something. I mean, the, how did you get the first users? Um, how did you generate the first traction? And, and what were kind of the things you were looking for to understand, okay, are we on the right kind of track and we are onto something here? Yes, yeah. Basically, it was really, really an interesting time for us because it was before our launch. It was basically the summer holidays in Germany, and we were just working permanently on our launch because we just said, okay, we wanted to launch it on the 14th of September, which is basically the big school start in, in Germany and mainly in Baden-Württemberg where we are located. Um, and we, but we didn't have any clue how it might figure out with lots of tests, with waiting lists and stuff like this before. But we, yeah, it was just like in a smaller, smaller scale. And then we launched No Unity. We had some marketing plans, as I would call it, with I believe like 5,000 euros of budget that we that we just put together from our savings. And then, uh, luckily, at this time, it was really the time when TikTok was coming up. So we we went basically all in on TikTok in the first few weeks because we said, okay, we don't have enough money for Play Store ads or App Store ads or stuff like this. So we said, okay, we just try to to find good influencers for us. Um, and then some of the first videos really went viral. Um, and, and this was basically on the second day after launching. Like I still remember on the first day after we launched, we, we all sat down in our, in our basement as five founders. We had like a few hundred downloads and we thought, okay, how shitty is this? Like what kind of shit have we built here? Like we just worked here for one and a half years and nobody cares. And then one really good TikTok video kicked in and then the growth really accelerated. Like we, we, we woke up the next morning. I think we were top, top 10 in the app store overall in Germany. Um, we grew by, by more than 20,000 users in the, four, in the first three days, basically. And then since then, it, it didn't stop. Like we believe, or I believe that we had the fastest growing education tech app in Germany since then, more likely every week. Um, and, and this was also these like 20,000 users in three to four days really was some kind of a kicking point where we thought, okay, this isn't just like a one, one day hype, even though it's not that much longer, but we just saw that it was growing and growing and even more. And all the things we didn't, we didn't know if they were working out, if there were users uploading their content, if there were users liking the stuff, if there were really users engaging with you with the app. We just saw it that, 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 that users were doing this on scale. And then we thought, okay, yeah, now this, this should be really a good idea. Let's try to really push it. And then it became clear to us, okay, uh, yeah, our savings were basically uh, yeah, we out of out of bank, I would say. Um, and then we thought, okay, we need someone who will just give us some money that we can continue with this journey because, uh, yeah, we, we, we had really high organic growth also in the beginning, but we needed some money for marketing to just push it a bit more that really organic growth really kicked in or kicks in. Um, and then, yeah, luckily we found uh, we found the first few angels and then it, it went, uh, yeah, it went viral again, I would say. But I think there's there's two very important learnings that I think I can also um, uh, describe or see at other companies. I think the one one thing is if you bet on a new channel, or, and TikTok back then was relatively new in, in Germany, I mean, at least in Germany, uh, the, the chance to go viral and become extremely efficient is a lot higher than if you would do it on, a, on an established platform. So I think that's that's one key learning for, you know, new entrepreneurs rather try to bet on on a new marketing channel because there's often chance a chance to you know somehow use it in a in a clever way compared to what other people do i think that that's that's one thing but i think the other is and i think that's also a clear learning from from you guys don't just rely on virality yeah because it can also go away but basically try to you know transform a viral kind of marketing approach into something that's more systematic and that very likely also involves 
a paid component doesn't have to yeah i mean you don't want to waste money but i guess it makes you a lot more resilient in your marketing mix if you if you also are able to to build something on on the paid side but i think that 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 is is, is definitely great learnings one, one other thing that often comes up from um uh, aspiring founders is you, you described how you got your technical co-founders but to my knowledge you didn't know each other before right so how did you how did you like because that's like a big topic for you know often yeah, people that don't have any technical topics. knowledge <laughs> how do you find guys that you know are willing to we'll come to your vision in a minute but how do you you know find people that you haven't met before <laughs> With, yes, with pretty good talent and how, how do you guys do that uh, and, and, yeah. and also jumping in bed with them yeah because i think that's also the other thing i mean founding a company together is almost or is probably more binding than than actually doing a marriage yeah so that that's what people or should not uh, 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 should not forget so how did you guys find find your technical co-founders basically yeah it's like for sure one of one of the best things that, that happened in our in our career and our journey so far and then i also believe like for, for for the history or for the rest of our journey um so like we we always had this direct link to yannick who was the older brother of, of julian so we always knew okay he could he could be someone for our backend who's really good but he didn't have any app experience or any infrastructure experience or stuff like this before so it was always clear okay we need someone else who could do this because he was also still in studies back then and for sure like when we asked someone who's, who studies back then and told him okay just yeah basically let, let all your studies go and just come in our company we don't have any anything we don't know what to do wasn't wasn't quite a good idea so it was pretty clear that we need to other guys that could also pursue our yeah our ideas for the next few months till till everyone's school would be finished until we could really focus on it until we could really focus on it so uh, we then went to an event in stuttgart i believe it was the only event that julian and me have been part of by now uh, <laughs> i guess it was a startup teens event so it was just going there because we just wanted to see how this whole scene is playing there and everything so we then also met lucas and gregor who were there with the same aspiration with their tech startup as i would call it from stuttgart that they were trying to build up um and then we met each other and and yeah we directly felt okay they really have a clue on on what like tech side looks like and they are like for techies really really aspired and and or really really aspiring and really want to build up something so we then got into contact with them and uh, yeah we had a few calls with them met each other and then we said okay um yeah let's let's try to build up no unity together let's try to yeah not build up your product together anymore because we could convince them that no unity was uh, was was more was more aspiring um and then it basically in the first few months it was just about getting to know each other so it wasn't that big of a process how you might do it for now when hiring someone it wasn't that we were like doing uh i don't know like 10 talks and, and doing stuff on, and talking on this and this and this topic it was more likely really about okay we felt that there might be might be a, or that, that there is the same interest that there is the same desire of, of trying to build up a big thing also from their side and then we said okay we don't have any other yeah we don't have any other choice so we just need to pursue it and then it turned out to be basically yeah, one of the best decisions we we could have ever taken because they integrated like in two weeks everything went well and from now on we are really really good friends and we're uh, trying and it feels like we know each other for yeah 15 years or something um so yeah it was really really a lucky chance for us at, at this time mm -hmm. because we were always before that julian and myself we were also as most of the other founders just yeah who, who can't who can't yeah code anything um which is pretty bad, I would also say. So um, I, I would have loved if I could do this. Um, but um, we were always also searching on all the platforms if there's anyone coming up. So it was quite a good, quite a lucky chance for us to meet them both there. 
and to also so key then learning here key, key learning if, if you're still young enough yeah start to code early yeah so yes, 100%, it, it, yeah. so that that's also i mean i'm 45 now so i'm, I'm <laughs> <laughs> later that a lot later than you are but i i guess also if there's one decision i could you know change i would probably be starting to code at i don't know 13 14 15 I think that is, is is great. Even if you don't want to become a programmer, I think uh, having this kind of knowledge and understanding will help you for whatever you do in your in life. Nothing is visit a startup teens uh, event. <laughs> that's also that's also good. Uh, and and uh, for those of you who don't know startup teens, it's definitely one of the. I'm I'm also a, a quite a quite a big supporter of it. Um, it's it's definitely a very good uh, organization that just have you know, the best in mind, don't make any profit from, you know, aspiring entrepreneurs or whatever, but they just want to bring talent together and more entrepreneurial spirit. So there's obviously more initiatives like that, but I think that that always helps you to find um, to find people that are potentially like-minded. And then you just have to try it out. And I, I think that's also one, one key learning. I think, yes, you can try to interview people or whatever, but the only way of really finding out whether it works to to work together is is really by by working together and then uh, uh, and then basically identifying in an honest kind of way whether it's it's a good idea or not. Let's talk a little bit about your vision. Um, I mean, obviously, you already said it. You you've had a really good start on this fourteenth uh, of uh, September or two days later. Um, and and you've been growing ever since, and to one of the leading uh, educational apps or fastest growing educational apps in, in the German speaking uh, region. What, what what's your, like kind of your plan? I mean, you're kind of a marketplace community concept uh, um, for where, where students help each other. Can you can you describe a little bit more what the core of the idea is and where you think this will be heading in a couple of years? Yes, hundred percent. Like uh, we we certainly really believe. In, in education of being like one platform where students really come together to to just prepare for the class test, to talk to each other, to learn together, to help each other out. So we believe that there should be one platform where students basically do all their stuff or yeah, try to try to yeah, try to yeah, get along with all their needs on one on one platform. So and on the other hand, what we hardly believe in that education, if it should really be funny and really be motivating for the student should look a bit like another social media platform because you won't get students into learning the same way that they did 20, 30 years ago about just consuming content on paper, for example, without anything else or anything except of that. So bringing these two things together, we think that the that like the future of education in this area looks like, yeah, like what we want to build up is the global platform for students, as I said before, meaning with the social component, with the social media component of bringing students together, we always like to call it something like a Spotify for students, really having the ability to learn together with the students, to interact with them, to like and follow the, the best knowers, just that students really get motivated on the platform, have some, have some certain fun while learning, that, that it just doesn't totally feel like learning and okay, I don't want to do it anymore. And on the other hand, we believe that students should have one platform where they come to for all their needs, as I said before. So we want to basically bring this together because there's lots of, content providers in this education area that just produce content for students um, and and we think that students in many cases can really help out each other on an eye-to-eye -eye level if they have the same problems 
in a really, really efficient or also most of the time more efficient way than some of the tutors, some of the teachers could even do because they don't have the same problems. They don't have the same, yeah, they don't have the same language that they are speaking. So, so we think that all this brought together on one platform is how education in, in most of the ways should be looking like or should look like. And we want to build a global platform therefore. So Germany is just the, like the first start for us, the first tipping point, as I would call it. We are now also looking to expand into other countries because we hardly believe that this model is, is basically a relevant model in every country. Um, and this is what we're what we're trying to pursue on from now on. So, I mean, the, the, the problem is always, um, you know, in, in, in marketplace type models that uh, or in, in also user generated content type models that, you know, you have a lot of consumers often and, and only a very small part of Uh, people that actively want to contribute um, and, 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 and help. How is that with you guys and how do you manage that problem? 100%. This is also one of the things we, we thought at the beginning that might be a big problem, like the typical platform problem. But uh, we figured out quite early that the so-called knowers in our platform that are uploading content, that are really uh, bringing up the supply to the platform, that are answering questions, that are having profiles. Uh, this is like for them, it's a total new site, a total new supply model. Um, because before that, in, in Germany, we sometimes call them like the Strebers that really produce really good content, are really, really good students with summaries, with flashcards that everyone wants to learn with. And through no Unity, they have a platform where they can share, share all their knowledge and where they can really get incentivization and recognition for their knowledge and for their, for their content. So in the beginning, we also saw, okay, this must be a monetary thing. We need to give them some kind of money or money or some kind of disincentivizations. But what we, what we really figured out or what we're really seeing on the data is that the knowers are really incentivized to, as I said before, to recognition from their peers, to messages like, okay, this content from you helped me so much. Could you please share something else with me or about really getting thousands of followers because of their knowledge. And this is also the growth engine that is on the, on the user side really important for us because for sure, as you can imagine, through a new knower with thousands of followers, there's lots of new users coming up, but also on the knower side because basically in Germany, in every class, there is a few really, really good students with really good content. So the market for all these like knowers is, is, is not that small as you might imagine in the first place. And what, what we also thought in the beginning, it's really tough to get them on the platform. But we, what we really figured out in the past ways that before that they didn't have a possibility to upload it, to share their content. So they didn't do it because they just hadn't any ability therefore any, any possibility. So we gave them the access to tons of millions of students basically where they could share their knowledge with. And this is what, what really kicked in at the beginning and what we are seeing until now that there are thousands of new knowers coming up every week, uploading their content and really wanting to help other students. And this is also one of the key learnings that we did that students, because it's often said that the generation Z is not that helpful anymore and stuff like this. We totally see the, see the opposite of it because we really see students uploading content and answering questions just with the, yeah, with the only thing that they get recognition there for and that they're really having, helping other students. And this is the thing we, we built it on. And this is like, we also, we sometimes just call it a kind of a new creator economy based on knowledge. Um, this is maybe just summarizing. Mm -hmm. But it's actually quite interesting because I guess a lot of other publishers or players in that space, as you described it, are producing content themselves yeah? because they basically say, that's the only way you can create quality uh, or consistent quality and a consistent kind of, You know, approach 
in, a, in a pedagogical uh, kind of way. Um, I mean, how do you manage kind of the, the, you know, the different approaches that people have to, to the same kind of content? How do you manage quality? Um, uh, can you discuss a little bit how you, how you approach this? Yes, like, like point number one, as you described, the flexibility and the, the different approaches to content and to consuming content, this is one thing where we see a really big, like really big opportunity for our platform. Because on a Unity, as I said before, there's tons of thousands of knowers uploading thousands of, of content pieces of knows, meaning there's really a, a know, a content piece for every need a student has. There's like a written summary, there's like a larger flashcard. So there's really something like a solution for every problem a, a student has in every topic there is in Germany because we just have this flexibility that another content provider just doesn't have. For a content provider, it doesn't make any sense to produce the fifth summary of Faust, for example. But in our case, it might be the best thing to do because there's like the first summary that is interesting for a certain peer group. The second thing is interesting for a peer group that likes to consume content on another on another approach. So this is like for point number one. Point number two, what is the most important thing for us is basically <clears throat> the technology behind the content behind the platform, really finding out okay which which quality metrics like make out or make up a good content. And then bringing the good content together with the right students, because what we often tell people that are trying that they're, that they're a bit yeah, like criticizing this whole model is that if, for example, for a sixth grader from from a lower school, a content might be super helpful that is totally bad for a 12th grader that's currently trying to finish the school. So it really is our thing on the platform is bringing the right content together with the right with the right peer group, with the right students. This is what we're doing to, to technology, what we're investing a lot and what we're working on a lot. And on the third point, we also certainly really believe that students in the most cases know what they should be learning. The students are not generally dumb as sometimes or really as sometimes has been assumed. So that just teachers know how to do. We, we totally believe in the opposite of it in, in the most cases, because as I also said before, there's really a good student producing content that was helpful for him. If it wouldn't be helpful for him, he wouldn't upload it because no one wants to share bad content or have like be there in like a bad light. Mm, so if he shares good content, it, the, the possibility that this content is helpful for other students is really, really is just higher than it is if, if a teacher tries to explain something to 50 students where he doesn't know what the 13 student really needs to know or how he really approaches learning. And this is like some 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 things how, how we how we see it turning out. And for sure, the most important thing is the technology, is the quality metrics, is the ratings on the platform, is the like likes and follows and stuff like this. How we how we're really yeah, building up good content and playing it out to the right to the right uh, students. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, you, you've seen great success over the past couple of months, uh, and and you've also convinced a lot of uh, very illustrious uh, investors. Uh, can can you describe a little bit? I mean, uh, what kind of investors do you have? How can you? How did you convince somebody like Mario Götze to come on board? Uh, I guess it's also very interesting for aspiring entrepreneurs. You chose a combination of angels and and a VC. Uh, can you describe a little bit why you did that? That would be would be great. Yeah, Just some 100%. recommendations and learnings <laughs> from the investor process. No, sure, yeah. sure. Uh, it was really, really interesting process for us also for us because we did it the first time, as, as everyone could imagine, and we didn't have a lot of clue uh, on the on the really yeah on the really operational side how to do it. We've read a lot of books. We tried to watch lots of YouTube videos how you do fundraising, but we didn't have any clue exactly. So what we always said, okay, we want to have someone on board to number one really also believes in this in, in this vision of really yeah building up a global platform for education um, which is what we what we yeah, what we likely found in, in project a and all of, of our others other investors this is also where we then choose them at the, at the end 
And point number two, we really wanted to have someone who's who's keen on helping us out on the operational side, meaning as you could imagine, we're not that experienced. We are still not that experienced. So we really looked out for someone who did the things we are trying to build, who built great or big companies in the past uh, that, that could really help us on the on, on the key decisions. Um, so this was basically the two things that, that were striking out for us and then really choosing the right investors. And luckily, as you said before, that because of really our growth kicking in for the last few months and really us yeah having really a vision that everyone i guess could really could really acknowledge to or could really yeah could really see we 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 convinced yeah different different investors different vcs from it and then we yeah we luckily had the chance of really choosing how, how who we would like to go with and like except of project a whom we're really happy with we we always said okay we wanted to have some angels on board who really are currently building these companies or companies that we are trying to become in the future. This is also why we got some of the operational founders that are currently building up companies on board, like Finitman, for example, from Conext. But this is also why we got the Sabrücker 21 on board. This is why then Mario Götze came through it, which is super cool for us because basically everyone knows Mario Götze and it was also quite astonishing for us to really have the opportunity to have, to, to have someone on, on the cap table. And this is basically how we how we went on from there. So we really, yeah, tried to to form a board of investors. So we thought, okay, in, in every area we need, so on the tech side, on the product side, on the marketing side, we have someone who could really help us out. And as of now, this is working out fantastically. Um, so yeah, we we also made lots of thoughts about this and lots of thoughts. Okay, how how can we approach the thing? Who who is going to join this round? Who is not going to join this round? Um, and in the end, it, yeah, it luckily all worked out how 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 we planned it, or like better than we planned it. But I think that's a, that's a key learning also for aspiring entrepreneurs. I think every, I wouldn't say every, but at least most of the great companies that we see today, they all made a very conscious choice of who to take on board. And I think that is something, don't just you know take any investor, but have a deeper thought on who plays what kind of role. That can be uh, you know, uh, that can be somebody of a certain level of prominence like Mario Götze, that can be somebody that really knows how to build a great company like Philip Mann. Uh, so I think there's always, it should always be a very conscious decision. And can you just describe quickly to people that haven't done that before? I mean, how difficult is it to, to approach somebody like, for example, Philip Mann or the Zabrücke 21 guys? I mean, is it, do you just write them an email or, or do you write a message on LinkedIn or how, how did you go, go about that? Yeah, like like before, even before we were launching, we were we were trying to write messages on LinkedIn to everyone that we've heard in the newspapers before, and it wasn't that yeah we hadn't hadn't anything back then to show, so it wasn't that successful. So after we raised our first round, like just a small business angel round, uh, someone of our angels gave us contact to Philip Philip Mann. Uh, I I then yeah got to know him. We really we really got up and really good. And then, yeah, as, as we got approached by the first VCs then, um, because as for sure education was quite a good topic, then we were really growing fast. We believed, okay, there is really a market for us, a really opportunity. So really, yeah, let's try to go, try to go Ill, all in there and let's try to, yeah, to make this round happen as fast as possible, um, but also as good as possible. So don't really, yeah, we, we haven't broken it over near or something. Um, and the first things or the first investors that we've spoken to, as it's always described, came a lot about like just introductions from others and we also we we always yeah really thought okay if we get some more introductions to a certain person it it might be even better for us so we were always trying to push okay if we knew okay there's someone in this person's network that could be helpful um if he could do an introduction to 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 them and then as always if if there's a founder or if we as a founding team 
I guess we, we could convince a lot that we had a vision that's really, really transparent, that we are really transparent with our numbers, with everything that really had a clue about what we are trying to do. Like the network that we went in is just really, really open. So everyone just shared like us as a company with some fellow investors or with some others, uh, really tell them, okay, that might be a good company. I believe you might be a good fit. So this is why Verena, for example, came, Verena Pauster came came onto the cap table because it's just she's just perfect for education basically um and this is how it all turned out um and this is also what what we saw in the whole startup scene there or in the whole investor scene that it's just really an open scene so for the beginning we also thought okay it's like such a competitive scene where everyone wants to have the deal and they're not speaking to each other and they're not helping you out but there's there are tons of people that really helped us out with the round because they thought okay this might be a good idea that we have and we're really sure about it so it was really an open-minded culture from a lot and just from a lot of people. So this was what we haven't thought in the beginning. In the beginning, as I said, we thought, okay, just some really successful guys that are trying to get the deal. And then in the end, we thought, okay, it's just also really, yeah, for them important of bring, bringing up a good cap table together and, and helping us out. And I think this is something that really helped us out that we got to know the right and, and really cool people uh, really fast and they really helped us out. And I think what, what also was really important that we, as I said before, had a clear vision of what we wanted to build. But for sure, we had, we had quite some good numbers in the background. <clears throat> that we also couldn't yet to that we also could just yeah bring out our vision and and really make it clear what we're trying to build up and have a, like a, yeah like a good roadmap on, on how we how we might build this. So uh, a couple of really good takeaways. First of all, signaling is really important. Yeah, so always try go, always try to go by introductions. Yeah, so the second learning. Um, and be very transparent and open with your numbers and, and facts. I think, yes, that's probably not the case for every idea. Uh, there might always be good reasons not to do that, but I would also su su uh, su support this, that for most founders and for most companies, it's completely okay to share certain numbers and, and facts and knowledge because it just improves your message and it just strengthens your vision if you're, if you're willing to do that. And in the end, what do you have to lose? Yeah, Whether people see that you have... 3,000 people you gain every day or 2,500 or 2,800, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, it, 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 it's, But it really uh, substantiates your point a lot. Um, to, to finish this off, uh, let's, let's probably talk a little bit about the way you work. I mean, you're based in Stuttgart. Yeah, uh, obviously, obviously, the team is growing. Uh, can you talk a little bit about, I mean, what, what, do you want to build a company out of, out of Stuttgart? Does everybody in the company work there physically? Uh, do you have a, like a remote first culture? Uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, you know how you intend to build uh, the company at least for the next uh, you know couple of yes. months and years? Sure, sure. We are currently located even a bit outside of Stuttgart in Sindelfingen, so it's even smaller than Stuttgart. Um, we are we are at the moment we are a bit about yeah, 20, 20 employees in the company for sure. As you can imagine, we're growing growing hard, growing roughly on the side. Um, we're a, as we always call it, a hybrid company, meaning there's a certain amount of, of employees sitting in the company, sitting here in the office with us. For sure, yeah, it depends on the Corona situation. But we have lots of, or we have, we have certain employees that are also working completely remote. And we also believe that this will be our model for the future, that there will always be a certain workforce in the office and a certain workforce working from, from home or working remote first. Um, in the long run, we for sure also think about opening up another office in Berlin because there's just so much more talent in certain areas that you can't really get in Stuttgart or in this area, as it's, as it's clear. Um, 
and what we, as I said before, what we believe in that the hybrid hybrid working model is something that really strikes out for us to really give everyone on board the flexibility of choosing either coming to our office here or visiting us maybe once or twice a month of really getting a good culture on, but also really pursuing a good remote culture. No one is just let alone sitting at home, just working all day. This is something that we are really trying, that we're really thinking about a lot, how we could even improve the things. Um, and, and yeah, this is, I believe, yeah, how the next few years would be looking like from our side as of now in Sinnelfing in a few months with another office also in Berlin, but always with the opportunity to also work from home and to really have the flexibilities to, yeah, yeah, to, to, yeah, to just deliver the, the things you want to do. Yeah. So if that sounds attractive to you, just check out the No Unity website. Yeah, there's lots of open positions and, uh, and uh, obviously if you want to participate or if you want to contribute uh, to, to the journey, uh, either write us an email at podcast at projecta.com or obviously directly apply um, at No Unity um, uh, as you'll see the career page on their website. Yeah. Sure. That, that, yeah. Just uh, as you said, Flo, uh, thanks a lot for mentioning it. Um, we are uh, just uh, yeah, hiring in all different areas, uh, product, uh, BI, uh, different options also for working students or interns. So if you believe that you could really contribute the good good part to this journey, we are open to everyone. Um, yeah, we are basically open in every position. So just apply directly on our website. Just write me an email at benedict.courts at noyunity.de um, or just contact Project A um, and we'll, we'll figure this out. Perfect. Thanks a lot for sharing all your thoughts and all your learnings. Uh, I hope that's uh, inspiring to some of the uh, listeners to the audience out there. If you have any other question uh, to the company, if you want to get in touch with them, if you have any great idea of what to do together with them, just use the same email addresses that we've just stated. We'll also put that in the show notes. And uh, yeah, we hope that you found this interesting and always looking forward to your feedback. Thanks a lot. We hope you enjoyed our podcast. If you did, how about you subscribe on Spotify and or iTunes and give us a rating. Thanks, guys.